What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Story Worth Sharing podcast. It's me, Chris, and I'm joined by not me, but the other... The other me. The other me. Yes, that's what I was going to say. And then immediately it felt weird because I'm like, well. it's not me, but it is the other me. It's Emmy. The other I me. I see. I wasn't even thinking of it in that way. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. That's a lot of me's. Yeah. Yeah. But I it's, am. Yeah. It's not about me. It's not about me either, though. Okay. But your name is Emmy. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So it kind of works if it's the other. I like it. Creative. Yeah. Emmy, did you know that we made it? Through another season. Yeah. How are we at the end already? I know. It's crazy. Oh, so fast. Yeah. The end of season two. This is the last final episode of season two of the Story with Sharing podcast. It has been a lot of fun. It has. And I saw this really cute video. You know me. Yes. I'm always looking Please for share. the cute videos. Okay. So I really like Dick Van Dyke. I've, I've okay. always been yeah. a fan. I think he's super great and creative. Um, but there was this cute video of him like showing his exercise routine. He's 95. <laughs> wow. But he still like sings and dances and like, and I'm just so impressed with him. And I think he's the cutest. And like, I mean, I was a fan of Mary Poppins. Yes. Uh, his Dick Van Dyke show I yeah. loved. And then the, I don't know if many people don't really know this movie, but the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang movie. Oh, absolutely. was like my favorite movie as a kid. Yes. I would watch it all the time. And so anyway, it was just really cute because he was showing his little exercises and like talking to everyone about like, this is why I can still dance and this is why I can still sing. And I'm That's like, awesome. You go at so 95. So have, have you tried his exercise routine? No, I haven't. I need to. I didn't even take notes. I was just so impressed, I think, with like his age and how happy <laughs> he was to do it that I was like, this is really good. Yeah. But, okay. Was it like really good for a 95-year-old or yes. just really oh, good? Oh, for sure. Yeah. He was talking about, he was doing like these leg raises, like swings, and he was just doing different things that were just keeping him mobile and keeping him yeah. able to do the things he loves. And so I thought that was just super cute. That's cool. Have you ever done... Like a lot, like CrossFit. Have you ever done CrossFit? I have done a couple of CrossFit classes. Um, it wasn't for me. I love it. <laughs> uh, I went with a couple of times, but I just do the TrueFit gym. There you go. Just go early yeah. in the mornings, do that. And so if somebody thing. walks into TrueFit next week, are they going to see you trying out the Dick Van Dyke warm up <laughs> routine? Not. I mean, I might have to give an explanation too. It might look interesting. Oh, like, man. wow, what is that? But you know, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I uh, I've tried CrossFit a few times and. I actually was having this conversation with somebody not that long ago and I got done with the warm up and I was like, okay, the workout's over, right? <laughs> Cause it can oh, just warming yeah. up can be quite a bit of a beat down. So yeah. I should, I should probably try the Dick Van Dyke routine. I'll send you the video. Yeah, that'd so be you good. want to give it a shot. That, that would be <laughs> okay. good. Yeah. Well, today's <laughs> guest has definitely done some CrossFit in their day. And I don't know if he's seen the Dick Van Dyke video or routine. He's shaking his head. No, but we're really, really excited. We, we could not possibly have a season walking through the staff without our faithful leader, Pastor Will Lewis. So welcome, Pastor Will. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you guys today. Yeah, we're excited. So you have done CrossFit, yes? I have. <laughs> um, pretty consistently since 2015. So that'd be a yes. Yeah. Is that a, <laughs> it, like of all of the workouts and you know, physical fitness stuff you've done growing up, is that kind of your favorite, would you say? Like, man, I've really enjoyed it. That's why I've stuck with it this long. You know what I do love? I love the community mm. a lot. Uh, I feel like where I work out, I, I really love the people and uh, the workouts themselves <laughs> are kind of an acquired taste. Um, you you just kind of have to shift into a mentality of like, this is what I'm doing now, and I'm going to go ahead. And in some ways, I think the mental training of it yeah. helps has been very helpful for ministry. Okay. <laughs> this yeah. may sound weird, but there's times where you just have to say, I'm going to do one more rep. I'm going to do five more. I'm going to do 10 more, and then I'm just going to get through with this. Anyway, it in, in many ways has been a real blessing um, and when you're through, you definitely feel <laughs> like oh, the monkey's off your back. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, and it's like, praise it, Jesus. It's yes. over. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. It increases your prayer life while you're doing it. <laughs> for sure. There's no doubt. Oh, that's so funny. And I, the handful of times I've done a workout, a CrossFit workout, I remember you talk about the community. People I've never met before, mm -hmm. and I'm the last one finishing because, you know, that's not really my thing. And I've never really done Olympic <clears throat> weightlifting. So I whatever. I was slow and whatever. But I would be struggling trying to finish these box jumps yeah. or whatever. And 
all of a sudden these people that have finished are like rallying around and like counting yes. with me yeah. and like you got this yeah. you can do this and I'm like I never met you before but yeah. oh my gosh I feel so inspired so yeah that that aspect of it is pretty cool yeah it, it's that's my favorite part honestly and it's fun to every once in a while get to be one of those people yeah that's that got to finish before the last person mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to not be the last one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But to also be the encourager and it's crazy. Yeah. So this was not planned, right? I'm just rolling off the cuff here, but just thinking about this idea of even what this podcast represents and mm-hmm. how we have the opportunity to share our story, to engage with other people. And that when we have these shared moments, these shared experiences, mm-hmm. this community begins to develop. And that's when all of a sudden what we are participating in or involved in becomes more meaningful in that process. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to create this platform. And and so Pastor Will, as you think about your story, obviously there's a lot of different aspects of your story, but when you think about your story and some of the moments that have stuck out to you, you know, really the framework or the outline we use to lead these conversations is from a a series of messages where you have talked about these like faith catalysts and, and one of those being pivotal circumstances. Yes. And that God using these pivotal circumstances in our life to grow our faith. And so when you think about that in your own story, in your own life, what are some of those things that stick out to you? Yeah, I think uh, the first one that really comes to mind, I'd have to go all the way back to the summer of uh, 1978. I was probably about eight and a half, nine years old. Uh, I was in a vacation Bible school yeah. in a little Baptist church in South Austin. And uh, that was the first time I'd been to a VBS, and uh, and for the first time, hearing somebody on my age appropriate level explain the gospel, and for the first time, the lights starting to come on and going, oh my gosh, yes, yes, <laughs> I want to know God, I want a relationship with Him, and I'm forever grateful for people who had thought about, planned on kids yeah. coming that week, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a little bit later, just you know, a few weeks later, um, that my pastor baptized me in that church. And uh, anyway, it, it started this journey with the Lord, and it wasn't long after that my parents went through a pretty bad divorce, and I'll, I'll be honest, I had a season of time where I was just kind of coasting. Didn't we, we went to church occasionally, really wasn't connected spiritually in any way, and Probably wasn't until I was a teenager that my my dad and mom had both remarried, and I was living with my dad and stepmother, and so we started going to this church in uh, Kyle, Texas, First Baptist Kyle, and I remember us getting plugged in there was a pivotal circumstance because it really changed trajectory of my life, but also just the way we planned our weeks because church now is a priority. We're going to go. We're going to get plugged in. We want to be a part of this community. These were our friends. These were our extended family. After a period of time, you start feeling like, oh, yeah, of course we're going to be there. That's huh. yeah. Those are our people, you know? And uh, I remember getting plugged into the to this youth group, uh, my youth minister with uh, Scott Crenshaw, and uh, he man, just was one of those people that God really used to inspire me and to, uh, I remember having prayer times with him and just... There's so many things that God used in that process, just really discipled me, and um, and it wasn't just me, but the whole youth group. Sure, yeah. And then my senior year was uh, of high school was when I went public and just said, hey, this is a call that God's mm-hmm. put on my life. I felt like it had been really confirmed by God over and over, and I sought my pastor and other spiritual uh, leaders in my life that I felt like I could really trust their voices. and. And they, you know, kind of told me things to look for, you know, as God's going to confirm this over and over mm-hmm. as you seek him. And he did and made it just abundantly clear. And at the age of 18, uh, actually, it was shortly before my 18th birthday, I made that public. Wow. Again, it was like now there's something really powerful about doing that in in front of other people. It was like on a Sunday night. It wasn't in front of the big congregation on Sunday morning, <laughs> but it was uh, in front of all of my friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, which uh, maybe is even harder, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> your friends aren't lost in the crowd. They yeah. are the crowd. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, it, was, it wasn't a very big crowd. And uh, yeah, and there's a lot of accountability. It's just like, okay, yeah, you made this commitment. And, and anyway, it was really a cool moment that allowed me to, it was a catalyst for me making some steps, even in the last. I guess it was probably three or four months left of high school mm-hmm. 
that uh, we started this group during uh, lunch, our lunch period. We had this kind of big courtyard area where we'd just gather up whoever wanted to, and I'd just do a quick talk on a parable or a passage and just do a gospel presentation. And it was so crazy, y'all. Within three months, that crowd had grown to like 60 or 70 kids. Oh, man. Wow. It was ridiculous. Like, it was like... There, <laughs> there's no, there's not a part, no part of this that made sense other than God had just done this, and it was a pivotal circumstance in the sense that God began to give me a vision for this is what I want you to do do throughout your life and and to teach, and so I kind of carried that over into college and was a part of ministries where I was able to teach and many many more. But that that was kind of the those were formidable years of uh, of God sort of preparing me for what He had next. That's so crazy wow. because. Even listening to you talk and thinking about at eight and a half or nine years old, walking into this VBS and you said, <laughs> you said age appropriate, like mm-hmm. that yeah. was the first time that you had heard the gospel presented in an age appropriate way. And now I think forward all of these years later at Brazos Fellowship and one of the heartbeats here, one of the things that is most important is that we are creating these age appropriate environments for people to yes. meet and encounter Jesus and the gospel and it not be worth like our kids ministry is not babysitting kids, right? Our kids right. ministry is presenting the gospel and Jesus to kids in an age appropriate way. And it's so crazy that yes. that's the beginning of your story. When yeah. you finally had this moment mm-hmm. where it was presented in an age appropriate way and you encountered it and it interacted with it. And now all these years later, God's using you to lead the charge and us being able to create that environment. Oh, that's so awesome. It really is. It's life changing. You don't want to teach calculus to kindergartners. <laughs> Does it make yeah. sense? Yeah. <laughs> At some point, they need to learn higher levels of mathematics, but you can't start there. And I think that's the mm-hmm. the fallacy that a lot of churches begin with, and not not throwing stones at or anything like no. that. But uh, it's just something that we I really wanted us to be ingrained in our DNA from the get go that we're always thinking about the other people in the room, and those other people being people who have no reference for mm-hmm. scripture. They don't know how to find the four gospels at the yeah. beginning of the new Testament. They don't know how to, they don't know how to find anything yeah. and they're, they're coming in just checking it out for the first time. And I think because we have always tried to think about them by God's grace, they have continued to be present in our services. And I, I pray they always will be that people will feel the courage to invite their friends and their neighbors and their family that desperately need God, but may not even know it yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I, that's, I definitely fed into that category. And, you know, like I said, uh, there was a lot of years of hurting, uh, especially as my parents were destructing their marriage. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a time where we really needed the church. And by God's grace, again, it, they were there and when we needed them. And I just encourage anybody out there that if they're praying about, thinking about what is that pivotal circumstance that God wants next for us, if you're not already plugged into the body of Christ, whether yes. it's Brazos Fellowship or somewhere else, that, mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it is. It's such a powerful part of it. And uh, anyway, so many, many more pivotal sure. circumstances, but uh, that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, so that's incredible. That's I want to cool. ask about one more, and we don't have to get into the whole history and story of Brazos Fellowship or even oh, yeah. necessarily what brought you to this area, but I am curious. There is a, a distinct difference. You know, you, you said it. you were 17. You feel like God has put this call in your life. You go public. You kind of talk about that in front of your friends and say, hey, I'm, I'm answering this call. But there's a distinct difference between saying yes to being in ministry and saying yes to planting a church. Those are not <laughs> not the same thing, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. that say yes. I have said yes. Emmy has said yes to being in ministry. Yeah. I have not said yes to planting a church yet. I don't think I ever will. Maybe I will. I mean, my yes is on the table. God has not asked that of me. But there's a, a very distinct gotcha. difference there. So what was it that started that process. I'm curious, like, how did you get into this? Like, man, I really feel like God has not just called me to be in ministry. God has called me to lead and plant a church. Yeah. I, it is hard to put my finger on exactly when it began, but I really feel like it's maybe one of those catalytic, uh, entrepreneurial things that God put in me. My dad was a, he started multiple businesses and, they always seem to go pretty well. <laughs> and uh, so I learned um, some things from him about 
just starting things. And, and mostly what I think I learned from him is just tenacity. Mm. Kind of goes back to the CrossFit philosophy. It's like you just have to – there's going to be a variety of different things that are going to happen. There's no way to prepare for them. It's constantly variables that are coming up all the time. You cannot let those things be your stopping point. You have to learn how to overcome and, and just really trying to adapt and by, you know, God continues to show up and help with that. But I feel like early on, in, even in seminary, as I kind of started searching, like, what is it that God wants me to do? And I heard a lot of different pastors sharing their stories, the ones where, and I was just very blessed to be at a school where we had lots of amazing people come, but Rick Warren was one of the ones who came and just told part of the story of how they started Saddleback in Southern California and I was just, that just lit me up mm. on fire. I'm like, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to help going to a community, help start a body of Christ that can help reach out to people who are far from faith and help them to find the Lord and to grow into fully developed yeah. followers of Jesus Christ. And I remember he was one of them. There was many others, but... Uh, and right about that time was when he wrote the book, uh, Purpose Driven Church, which came out probably 15 years before Purpose Driven Life, which obviously blew up, right. became one of the <laughs> yeah. biggest sellers of all time. And, and that, that book was probably one of the more seminal moments of fully understanding like how biblically is a church to function that really does do this, that mm. really reaches people that are far from God and, and help to develop them and disciple them and to become soul winners, people that are out there that are spiritual, uh, you know, replication uh, that's happening in their life. So that was one of those moments. And and through that, all of that, too, I developed a friendship with Bill Cornelius, who was also a seminary student. We were carpooling at the time, <laughs> and he was actually in the middle of trying to plant a church in Irving, Texas, and it was going very badly. <laughs> he would, if he were here, he would tell you it was very bad. Um, <laughs> We talked about it all the time, but it was it was funny because he was really of that same heart of like, it's going bad, not because I can't do this. It's just, I don't know. You know I'm naive. I, you know, we just, we're figuring this thing out right yeah. now. Like, and we got, you know, lots of different things to try to hijack the vision. And so it's just, it was a lot of talking, sharing books, talking, you know, Bill and I, and then a whole series of things that happened a church that I worked at in Corpus Christi, Texas in 93 that uh, actually called me to come plant a church there. And uh, Leslie and I, my wife and I prayed about it, prayed about it. And we just did not feel God releasing. Like Mm -hmm. it was just, it was just not something he was leading us to do. And at the same time, Bill and his wife, Jessica were praying about where are we supposed to go? So I'm like, Hey Bill, maybe you need to go talk to, this church. And um, sure enough, he went down there one weekend. He was like, bro, thank you for telling wow, me. Wow, that's crazy. This is where, that's how yeah. Church Unlimited began. Yeah, and that's, and wow. it's still there, killing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, they're running, you know, well, I don't know, post-COVID, but <laughs> 10,000 plus before, um, multiple locations. and But anyway, so it was that friendship. And then I planted a church uh, and it just really, again, it was it was out of a whole lot of uh, seeking out other church planters, and I was a part of this uh, kind of church planting training network that was in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, which was super helpful and so catalytic to my being able to feel like I could do this. Right. Um, but just really seeking out, I, I remember John Ma- Maxwell talking about the law of linkage to try to find people who are doing now what you hope to be doing in the future. That is such a powerful mm principle of, you know, just really um, kind of discipleship, if mm. you will, like, because it, it really helps to disciple or to lead you along into, okay, what else do I need to do? And of course, if you can find people who are following Jesus at the same time, it's even more powerful. But yeah, so I just constantly tried to do that. Look, you know, look to people who are already doing it. How can I begin to incorporate this? And so I, uh, we started a church and that was uh, it. Was a church that wound up meeting in um, the Colony High School. We set up and tore down, and then we moved to Coppell into a, a little elementary school. We were setting up and tearing down. A lot of wow. a lot of you know 
constructing and deconstructing of the church (laughs) every weekend. Um, And then out of that church, um, Bill, uh, you know, their church was planting some different churches, and we uh, actually wound up being one way down on the border of Mexico uh, in Mission, Texas. We were literally like three miles from the border. And we were down there for almost three years, and uh, and it was great. It had grown, and um, you know, it's uh, it's funny because you know I do not speak Spanish. Uh, have, <laughs> have a little bit of broken Spanish uh, knowledge, and um, but there were just so many uh, young people that were our age that were looking for something like that down there, and so we were able to get that church started and running several hundred, a couple hundred anyway, and uh, and then. After a couple of years, Bill called. He just said, look, man, I know you're down there planting that church, but we've been praying, praying. We feel like God's leading us to plant another one in the Aggieland, you know, Brazos Valley area. And uh, my whole executive team feels like you're the number one guy. Like, we want to call you first. And I know you're right in the middle of one. And I'm like, Bill, this is so crazy because Leslie and I have been praying about. We can't even put our finger on why because yeah. we love the people here, and, and but we felt like God's been getting us ready to go somewhere. We don't know where. We I, I wasn't going to put a resume out. I didn't want to do anything mm-hmm. to manipulate or provoke that. I just wanted God to. And then here you are calling me, and that night I told Leslie about what he was proposing. She cried and said. You really think God would do that for us? I'm going. <laughs> yes, He's good. Wow, man. Yeah. Um, and so she crazy. knew that, but you know, I think you sure. get you get sometimes yeah. like this is where we'll be forever, you yeah. know. And 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 uh, yeah, because you're doing the Lord's work and God's yeah. moving, and it's like, okay, I guess this is where we're going to be. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of like the spring of 2004, and uh, we came for a visit right around May of 2004. And that's when we met Ben and Cindy Betcher for the first time. And and we also just briefly met uh, the Daniels, uh, Danny and Julianne Daniel. And we had uh, lunch with them over at that Marriott Courtyard right there at Rock Prairie and Six. Nice. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Julianne was the manager of that hotel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so... uh, which was a, an easy end for us yeah, to really. get a room and some food. Uh, and so it was great meeting them. And, the, and the, at the time, the Betchers were all in. I'm not sure that the Daniels were yet. I think they probably would say they are now. But uh, at the time, I'm not sure, you know, you're, it's, the whole thing's an idea, you know, what you're – and so um, – but we prayed about it over the next couple of months. And then uh, that summer, we kind of told them, okay, we're going to do this. And we started a series of vision dinners, what I called them. Mm-hmm. We had them, one at Ben and Cindy's house. We had one at the Daniels house. Uh, we may have had one more. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was just those two. But we just basically had time for them to invite all their friends that they think that might be interested, you know. And we will just start with that. And then mm-hmm. I just tried to get from other pastors, friends that I knew that had connections into this area that might know somebody that might be interested. So armed with just a a handful of a couple of dozen maybes and a few people on the ground. Uh, we moved here in November and uh, had about a dozen people or so in our living room on Sunday nights over the next couple of months. And uh, yeah, like uh, Rebecca McCarty was one of them that was there. And James and Lane Murr were in there. And, uh, and then later, uh, uh, Jonathan and Christy Stark, came and those are the ones that come to mind right now of course ben and cindy were at yeah. every mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. yeah and, and catered most of it and then on it was let's see here in february that we had our very first service uh at the middle school in rock prairie road and uh man we did this postcard that nobody does anymore <laughs> unless you're trying to get lawn service or something oh, no. whatever uh but we we did a postcard out and uh to the whole community or as far as we could afford to go. And uh, about 220 people showed up for that first service. (laughs) It was just like, yes, I think we might be able to possibly make it. And so, and yeah, just lots of prayer, lots of pretty scary moments of like, okay, God, we're jumping off this cliff and praying that you catch us. And man, he did. And so in it, it, you know, it, 
it's like everything. You you have the spike at the beginning, and then it kind of dips down a sure. little bit. Yeah, so that was kind of the the formation of the very beginning months of lots of prayer uh, in those small groups, lots of preparation, lots of training that we were doing for volunteers. And then we had, um, again, Bill Cornelius's church, they brought a, a van full of volunteers for the first month. Maybe it was a little more than a month. Came up every weekend. I mean, it's like... Wow. Four-hour round trip. I mean, no, it's like probably close to eight-hour round trip. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that every Sunday. Wow. That's incredible. And trained our people and helped us uh, just to staff all of our areas. It was just wow. absolutely – it was like every little piece that we needed, God provided it in, in such beautiful ways through people's sacrificial gifts and time. And so that's that's how we – Brazos Fellowship got yeah. off the ground and yeah. kind of the things that led up to it. But it's incredible. Uh, it's yeah. incredible. I never get tired of hearing that story. <laughs> yeah. It's always so good. But something you said on a Sunday morning that has impacted me a lot, and I can't remember if you were speaking on the five Ps or if it was just relationships, but you brought up friends and you said that you are the average of your five friends. Oh yeah. I absolutely love that. <laughs> I think about it even now and like praying about like the friend type of friend I'm becoming. Um, but and you've mentioned so many people already, but who are some of those key people that God has used to walk with you that has played a big role in your story? I would say, um, yeah, and, and I, I borrowed that that principle from. It's a sociological studied, you know, kind of bedrock principle of that you're the average of your five closest friends um, in all areas. But I'd say for me, obviously, my wife Leslie is my closest friend. Um, and then, um, you know, I really feel like uh, some of those people that come to mind, obviously Bill Cornelius and, um, and Mac Richard, who's on our – both of those pastors are on our board here at Brazos Fellowship. Super blessed to have them, call them such good friends and confidant, but also somebody that can really be a um, – somebody that I can call on mm-hmm. for help in those moments and, and be a voice of wisdom and – and have been where we're going. They've already both been where we're going. Um, I think um, some of the other people, I would say my brother John uh, lives in Austin. He's a, a leader at his church and has, you know, obviously we grew up together, but <laughs> it, uh, he's he's one of those guys. I mean, you, it's just wonderful to have people that know you, have known you and your mm-hmm. worst and your best. Absolutely. And, um, and he still prays for me and is there for me. And, um, we just got to spend some good time together. Um, you know, just not to get into <laughs> Allie's wedding, but, um, yeah, in town just this last weekend or a weekend before last. And, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say, uh, beyond that, um, I feel like God's blessed, uh, you know, Sean Parrish and I with a great relationship. I feel like he is definitely a very good, close uh, friend that obviously we work together, but also I very much value his friendship and input. And uh, and uh, I don't think it's any uh, mystery that, you know, he is uh, he helps me a tremendous amount um, being able to lead our church mm-hmm. and just a, such a good um, friend and just I, I never worry about where Sean is with the Lord. He's always seeking God and just love that guy so much. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's five or not, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me see. That may be four. Um, yeah, no, I think with John that is five. Yeah. So yeah, I tell you, that's just functionally. I have some other people in my life definitely that I feel like I call on for different things, but these are people that are probably closest mm-hmm. yeah. to me that I am most currently in communication with outside of a few other staff members and stuff. Um, so, but anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Good. when you think about practical teaching lessons that you've learned, you've already talked about several, you've talked about the importance of having those people close to you, people that have seen the good and the bad people that yeah. are praying for you. You've talked about tenacity and that entrepreneurial spirit that you got from your dad and seeing how he just, lived life and engaged in business and family and everything else. What are, what's some of that other practical teaching, some of those lessons that you've learned that you feel like continue to influence who you are? Yeah, I think, um, man, there's so many, um, wonderful 
godly people that God's used to give practical teaching to me. Um, I was always blessed to have wonderful pastors. Uh, Pastor Robert Horton, who was at the First Baptist Church, Kyle, Texas, that I mentioned earlier, was just a very influential mentor to me and really helped walk me through my call to ministry. And for that, I'll forever be grateful to him. Um, But he always preached the gospel and just was a powerful representative of what it means to bring the good news week after week after week. And and we saw people come to Christ through that church. And there's been a lot of other people, like I said, youth ministers that were in my life that have been real helpful in that process. You know, it's funny. I have some kind of passive mentors that were really influential, even though I haven't really ever met them, or if I have, it's been like really like in passing. But uh, I remember back in college listening to Insight for Living yeah. with Chuck Swindoll yeah. like every day. And it was funny, his program and then Charles Stanley's right after that, it was just listening to those guys back to back, and they were both so practical and so just real, and I just loved hearing them teach and preach and um, we're just super helpful. And like I said, Rick Warren was another one of those, um, both through his preaching, but then also just through his books, um, always very practical. And I think this kind of spills over now from practical teaching, maybe more into personal disciplines. But mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I learned was that's probably been the most impactful to me is what do these men uh, and women, what are they doing that is helping to sustain them and and give them strength and vitality and keep going. And as you guys know, I mean, ministry is not easy. Right. Yeah. And every year there are literally thousands of people that step out of full-time ministry because of lots of different reasons. But one of them is burnout. It's just, it's hard and Mm -hmm. it's, it takes a toll on you. And so how do you keep going? And um, I feel like getting to know, different people and hearing their, like, what do you do to kind of help Mm. keep you going? And uh, obviously early on, one of the things I remember my pastor is just saying, you've got to have really guard that time alone with Jesus every day. You treat it like an appointment with somebody very important on your, the most important person on your calendar, on your schedule. And uh, guard it. And man, that, that has been so helpful. Now I, I, I can't say that I never miss, and I've never have. And uh, early on, especially in my teens and through college, and even my young adulthood, journaling and really interacting with scripture, it was was kind of spotty. It was like I would do it for a while, really good, and then days, weeks, months, like oh shoot, you know, my journal looks like um, hmm. something that I picked up two years ago. And, <laughs> It's a big gap uh, between oh, the story. No. Yeah, so I, I just encourage anybody that's out there, just keep doing it. Don't 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 chastise yourself if you miss. And and and, and journaling's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, Sean and I were talking about this recently. I know that's not something he's personal. I don't think he minds me sharing, but it's not something that really it doesn't do for him what it does for yeah. me. Uh, other people are very auditory. They they love to listen to whether it's teaching or worship music or and I do too. I actually love incorporating that too. Or, or some people are very um, kinesthetic. They like they need to move when mm-hmm. they're you know go for a walk, talk to God, get out. You know, I, I love to mountain bike, but sometimes I'll just go walk the mountain bike trail. Yeah, and talk to God, just pray. And so I just encourage people try different things. Mm-hmm that will maybe keep fresh your interaction with God and how you talk to him and but the most important thing is just getting as gut level honest as you possibly can and and confessing things one of the last things I'll mention the idea of spiritual uh, of scripture memory um mm. has been really big for me uh, as of late and just over the last year or so and uh, just reciting that back and going slow and meditatively mm-hmm. praying through these different passages. Not just a, I mean, there's some really wonderful banger verses that are yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I have found it's even more powerful when you put them in their context and mm-hmm. you try to memorize a section together or maybe an entire. Uh, chapter, it, it, you know. Again, I know some people are like, "Geez, I'm, I'm doing good to get one verse." <laughs> I get it. No, I understand. I I don't feel like memory is one of my 
super strengths or anything like that. But I think it's just like a muscle. You, Mm -hmm. in time, as you keep doing it and you keep it before you, it's amazing how it will get better and stronger and more resilient. And you'll be able to remember and recall things quicker. And I've always tried to do that for messages and sermons and stuff like that. But really making it an intentional part of my personal devotion life has Mm -hmm. been such a game changer. Uh, and sometimes, even if I don't have it memorized, just recently, this last weekend, one that ministered to my heart so much was Psalm 25. I just went through the whole thing. I, I don't I'm, I don't even lost track of time. I, it may have been an hour. I just went over it and over it. And now you may read that and go, wow, he was in a dark place. <laughs> Maybe I was. Um, but I, I feel like it was just, it just, sometimes you need somebody to help give you the words. Yeah. Yeah, to say to God and to be able to just really pour out your soul to Him, and it's just so powerful when you can connect and you can just feel God's presence is right there. His Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart in that moment, mm-hmm. and it's just so beautiful. And like that is the easy yoke. That is what He meant for us. That's how He meant for us to live, you know. And I think so much of the time we get in this frantic pace of life and frenetic ap- activity, just mm-hmm. it crowds out. That silence and solitude, time alone with God, and the eremos, that's the Greek word that you Mm -hmm. see over and over in the New Testament that Jesus pulls away to a lonely place, a quiet place, a a lone place, into the wilderness. He's over and over and over and over doing this, and I'm thinking, if Jesus needed to do it, how much more does Will Lewis need to do it? And so that's some of the stuff that I feel like was real pivotal um, to some of the mentors in my life. More than a, oh, that's a cool sermon illustration. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. those are awesome. I love finding those, too. But <laughs> the stuff that really has kept me in the game yeah. for 25 years yeah. is that, yeah. you know? And so— Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. You mentioned—I I, want to go back for just a second, because you mentioned something that I, I think is really interesting. And I've, I have learned this from you, and you talked about how, like, setting an appointment, like, guarding that time— as you would if you literally put it on your calendar, right? Mm. It's like blocked out. And yes. I like I've learned that if I want to be consistent, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I am I schedule my day out and I put meetings on my calendar and on my phone all the time and I'm getting all these reminders. And if I want to be consistent and spending time with God, it has to be one of those things. I remember having a conversation not that long ago with a college student and he was talking about how impersonal it felt for him. That if he had to, even with me, he was kind of talking about this with me. He was like, I feel like I have to get on your schedule to like have some of your time, which there was a little bit of a gut check for me. Or like, okay, I, I need to make sure I'm available. Right. Yeah. But we then that transferred into this conversation of talking about even it. it uh, I don't know if appalled is the right word, but he was just like, oh, I would feel like bad or dirty if I put like God on my calendar as like this scheduled thing. Like, shouldn't it be more mm. of a priority or whatever? And in my <laughs> mind, I'm thinking, okay, realistically, when you don't schedule it, how often do you actually do it? Right. There's this, yes. like, this yeah. mentality of like, Oh, of course I'm going to make time for God, but are you actually doing it? So I'm thinking that inside, right. As we're having this conversation, but what would you say for someone who maybe feels that tension or that struggle yeah. of like, Oh, I don't know if I want to categorize my time with God as like this scheduled thing or whatever, but you use this word guard, right? Mm. Guarding that time when it's on your calendar, you have let everyone else know I'm unavailable for anything else during this time. I'm guarding this time for God. So what would you say for somebody who feels that tension? Yeah, I would say we schedule what we prioritize. Mm. If I waited till I felt like it to go work out, I would be terribly overweight (laughs) and obese. I would not... I would, yeah, it would be horrible. That's part of what a discipline is. It's forcing yourself to do what you know is the right thing to do when you do not feel mm, like doing so it. So good. I mean, wow. it's just what you have, you know, you have to do it. And, but the beautiful thing is, even if you're doing it for the right reasons, but with the wrong feelings, you still get the benefit yeah. from it. It's beautiful. It's, it's like, you don't have to wait till like, oh, my heart is fully in it. Like if I waited till my heart was fully excited every time I had a quiet time, I would have maybe have one a week, you know. Um, it's cool how it catches up. Your heart, your emotions will catch up mm, with what good. you do. And I really feel like that's a part of the principle that Jesus taught 
you know, in uh, Matthew six twenty one about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you put the treasure of your time and your energy and your effort and your focus somewhere, and it's amazing how your your emotions will catch up with that. And, That's good. You know what I mean? It's like when you start pouring your your money into something, you know, you you put your money and you invest in a certain stock. Whenever that ticker goes yeah. across, when you see the abbreviation for the one you've been, how, where is it today? Yeah. Is it up? Is it yeah. down? Is it because your treasure's there? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with our schedule. That if we put our treasure in that, and we say this is a priority, I'm going to do it, whether I feel it or not. And I, that's the beauty and the power of Jesus' gift to us of disciplines, because disciplines. And I'm going to totally borrow this from probably Dallas Willard, I think is who I got it from. But disciplines allow us to do, it's a way of beginning to do what we can't now do so that in the future we can do what we can't do today. Hmm. So if, you know, like if you wanted to learn how to bench press your body weight, okay, maybe not everybody's got that as a goal, but (laughs) if you want to do that, I mean... You start off with push-ups. If you can't do a push-up, do it from your knees. You know, you start off with some dumbbells, just doing a reverse. You lay on your back, and you just kind of press them up, and then you go up in weight, and you go up in weight, and then you go with more resistance and more resistance. And if you keep doing that, three sets of six, and every time you can get to six, then you bump up the weight a little bit. Mm-hmm. I promise you, it's crazy. Your strength, you, you may or may not ever get to your total body weight. Maybe you'll get way beyond it. But your strength will go up. It's a discipline that will equate into greater strength. Yeah. And it allows you to do what you cannot do today mm-hmm. into the future. And God has put this same principle to apply to our spiritual life that we can, there are things that we can do that if we set aside, and uh, even like this last Sunday where I was talking about trying to really cultivate love, peace, and joy, I'm telling you. Those are things I have had to intentionally, and I still am, <laughs> like I was talking about earlier. I mean, last night, um, sitting in my chair, just thinking, okay, God, help me to cultivate greater peace. I can feel this area of my life. I am, I'm worrying about it too much. Mm-hmm. I need that inner, that inner rest that comes from the confident assurance of knowing that it's all going to turn out the way you want it to. And I've got this confident assurance because of the way things are going to turn out because I'm trusting. And there's this pervasive peace that comes that he says, I want my my peace to be complete in you, but that doesn't come until we take the time to let it so cultivate yeah. it into our heart. And anyway, it's just slowing down, processing, and like, what is it? What is the kernel of this worry? What is the thing whose opinion am I putting too much value on? Mm. Uh, What outcome am I like, oh, it's all up to Will. And I have to remind myself, I'm not the Messiah. I can't save anybody. I can't fix anybody. I can't fix the church. I can't fix. That's Jesus' job. It's his bride. I'm just here to be faithful with what he's called me to do. And he doesn't want me to do any more than that. And I think that's just so freeing. And uh, anyway, a lot of thoughts about the disciplines, but I feel like it's been such a powerful part of of our life, Leslie and I, and, and she's been such an inspiration to me too. And I feel like I could say the same thing about um, the area of our life of giving, of, of learning to give sacrificially, mm-hmm. faith, faith stretching. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, whatever God's calling you to do, whether it's it's going with a tithe, ten percent, or if it's beyond that. I know a lot of people are like, you know what? Honestly, if I'm just really brutally honest, it's not really that faith stretching anymore. <laughs> we need to go beyond that. And yeah. uh, and I feel like um, that is a better question to say, God, help us to be trusting of you to the point where we can be giving um, sacrificially, reflecting the kind of love and gospel that you have bestowed on us. So I love it. Well, when you think about the that final P of these five P's we've been talking about uh, is personal ministry and just how this plays itself out. Now, hundreds of people get to see this played out every Sunday when they walk in the doors and they see what the ministry looks like that happens at Brazos Fellowship. And and it is 
not just in large part, it is entirely because of your leadership and because of your obedience to the call that God put on you and Leslie's life to step into not only into ministry, but into church planting, into this community to plant a church. So there are a lot of things that have lined up for that. So a lot of people get to see kind of that public aspect of what your ministry looks like. But when you think about taking all of this and just, man, who God has called you, Will Lewis, to be, not Pastor Will Lewis, but you, Will Lewis, to be, what does it look like for you to put all this together and how you then live this out and it impacts the way that you connect with and interact with the people around you? Man, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I feel like the only way I'm able to do it is because God has blessed me with wonderful people around me, like you guys, and and we're just, we really do, I know it, it sounds like just a doting pastor, but we really do have a remarkable staff of people. We really, I've worked at a lot of very large churches and been around a lot of churches, but uh, I just love this family of people that we have. It's just so special and, and beautiful and so many catalytic hearts that just seize opportunities and, and move forward. You never having to say, hey, come on, maybe you should try a little harder, (laughs) dream a little bigger. Everybody seems to already want to do that, and it's just beautiful. Um, So I think that inspires me a great deal, and I think we're always trying to do better. And, um, you know, um, obviously our weekend services are kind of a big crescendo of the week. It's like a time where we all come together and see the greatest number of people on our campus and the greatest number of decisions and the greatest amount of sacrificial giving and of time and money and all these things that uh, really are a result of what God's doing in people's hearts. And man, I just feel like uh, just the most blessed guy in the world to get to to pastor this church. And, uh, you know, he could have picked anybody. And I'm just so thankful. I know we have the sign uh, on the steps going up to the stage. Not everybody gets to see this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and and I may not get the exact quote right, but it's a privilege to be on this stage. Lord, thank you for choosing me. Mm -hmm. And I I think just every time we show up on our campus, that's always um, a prayer that I try to remind myself, thank you, God, that I get to pull on this campus and get to serve you here. Service and leadership in God's kingdom always comes with kind of a, a twofold aspect to it, that it's temporary and then you're accountable. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> constantly try to keep my mind on that God's got me here for a period of time, and then he'll have somebody else. And, and you know, that's been throughout human history. Yeah. You know, we all get just a, a little footnote. We get a little moment, and, and then somebody else is going to take over, and we're accountable for our time and our, wow. our opportunity. And you know, I just want to make the most of it. And uh, I was just praying this morning, God, like, as we're now – coming into a new phase of stepping out of a lot of the quarantine pandemic season um, help me to dream a, a fresh new dream like what what do you want I'll do whatever you know again putting the yes on the table yeah. it's just yeah and I couldn't do that if I didn't have an, a super high level of trust with the team of people around me because I know a lot of pastors that like dream a dream like i'm putting out <laughs> fires and oh, no. trying to kill rats and everything else all the time i'm constantly dealing with conflict all the time and i'm just so thankful that that is just not our story here not to say we don't ever have to deal with sure issues from time to time but it is uh thankfully an exception to the rule all that to say i feel like um my personal ministry is continuing to try to stay faithful to the lord uh, to my wife, to my family, and to this church family, to our staff. Um, I'm, I'm first and foremost a pastor to you guys, to our staff, and then to um, those beyond that as well. But it's just awesome. I couldn't do it without all the help. So, yeah. Well, amazing. Man, thank you so much. And it, you know, it really is an honor and a privilege mm-hmm. to have this conversation with you. And one of the things I admire about you the most in all of my time of knowing you. I've been attending here since January of 2008, and I've been on staff <laughs> uh, awesome. 
in some capacity since October of 2012. So I've been around. Yes. And I've gotten to interact with you in a lot of different capacities and a lot of different spaces. And the thing that I think I admire about you the most is you are unapologetically you mm-hmm. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And that is <laughs> so inspiring and encouraging because when you get on stage and you are moved in this moment mm-hmm. of emotion by the truth of the gospel and the goodness of Christ, that is not a show. Yeah. That is you. Yeah, That is sure. the tenderness of your heart and what God has done. And I get to see that and I have a front row seat to that and I love it so much and it's so encouraging and I have gotten more comfortable in having those moments and being like, you know what, college students, I don't care if you make fun of me when yeah. I'm crying because this is something God's doing in my heart and I want to be authentic yes. and be real. Yeah. And it is never about being, you know, a show or trying to pull at somebody's emotions. But I just, I really admire just your authenticity and your genuineness. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Genuineness? It is now. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> that. That blesses my heart to hear you say that. Thank you for those kind words. And I'm so thankful that it if it helps give anybody else some courage <laughs> yeah. just to say, you know, if we're not being raw and real, man, I think we're missing out on the beauty of the real life that Jesus came to bring us. I just, I grew up just enough around that kind of pretend Christianity that I'm like, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> I Same. don't want it here. Yep. And I just want it to be real. And I, I just so thankful to hear you say that. And I that's my prayer for all of our staff that they continue to feel like they can really flourish spiritually while they're here as long as God has them yeah. here. Yeah. Thank you. Love it. That's Love awesome. It. Well, before we let you go, we have yeah. one more quick thing just kind of close out okay. close out the season, close out this yeah. episode. We just have taken a moment to do something fun with each staff members we brought them on so we're (laughs) going to do something it's just favorite things okay no pressure okay it's it's just your favorite things emmy's gonna throw out a few (laughs) topics and then uh we're just gonna hear some of your favorite things and then we might we might i just like that we say no pressure but that almost alludes to like there might be pressure because like why would we say it Uh, maybe maybe I might have slipped one or two questions like, in there at some point. Yeah, that I have to read. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, I made the list and then I make Emmy read it, so it's good. <laughs> okay, Love so it. the first one. What's uh-huh. your favorite place that you've traveled? Gosh, that's a good question. My favorite place that I have traveled. It's not going to be very extravagant. That's okay. <laughs> um, we had such a fun time in Bentonville, Arkansas last summer. Um, and I'm a big mountain biker, and it is like the mountain bike mecca. Man, Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. I know some people will laugh at me. Don't yeah. know. Like, I don't even know where it is. Bentonville, Arkansas. Is, it, <laughs> is, is Bentonville the home of Walmart? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like the home. Like that's where their headquarters I mean, is. Yeah. Bentonville, I believe Arkansas. you. Yeah. I would know. Yeah. No. I, again, nobody's probably going to be like, <laughs> let's change our summer yeah. plans. <laughs> We're going to Bentonville. We're going Northwest <laughs> Arkansas. Here we come. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. What's your favorite junk food? My favorite junk food. Man, we had some leftover actually at the house. I had, you know, it's funny how you forget because <laughs> I've been trying to not eat junk food yeah. for so yeah, long. I knew this would be like a guilty yeah. pleasure thing. But, yeah. uh, I had just the good old fashioned Reese's peanut butter cup. Yes. Oh, can never go it's kind of ridiculous yeah. how good that is so good. when you, when it's still like actually like peanut butter inside. Mm. You know how when they get older, it started <laughs> gets real granulated. Yeah. It's not very good. Oh, yeah. no. But man, this yeah. it was ridiculously good. Mm. And I just go, wow. Now I, I get it. I'm, I want another one. <laughs> I get it. Um, so oh, yeah. that's good. I love that. Okay. What's your favorite restaurant? Uh, my favorite restaurant. <laughs> oh, my wife's going to laugh because I just always go back to Chewy's. I just really love Tex-Mex. That's so yes. good. I mean, That's yes. not a wrong answer. I mean, there are no wrong answers. That's right. Okay, what's your favorite holiday or time of the year? It have to be Christmas yeah. just because all, we have some really fun traditions with our girls and just it's always just a, a lot of fun. It's just a, And I think this last year, probably like everybody, just because it had been such a tough year it was even more special and then and then mid-january we had that crazy snow yeah it felt like another christmas yeah (laughs) that was kind of fun so yeah so good okay what's your favorite way to spend a day off you know just kind of lately it's been just kind of chilling at the house and i'm blessed to have a mountain bike trail right out the back of my Mm -hmm. house so i can go ride and 
and or work on the trail. Sometimes I just go and um, just go out there and kind of uh, prune back some of the overgrowth that happens. And it's kind of crazy. I've gotten to where I enjoy the trail maintenance as much as riding. I, I probably still <laughs> like riding it more than working on it. But anyway, it's just kind of fun getting out there in the woods and that's so cool all kinds of little critters running around <laughs> oh, oh no but you have to <laughs> that's not for me there are a lot of snakes right now oh, so goodness. we have, are having to be careful yeah. so i will leave it yeah. okay what's uh, a favorite book that you've read recently uh that's a good question um probably the most recent one that i've kind of read repeatedly was probably the uh the dallas willard uh, renovation of the heart, which is kind of inspiring the series that we're doing right now, and not kind of it very much has, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, renovating your heart, and yeah, I just it's one of those that I when I went through it the first time, I'm like, gosh, this is so good, and I've lost count. I think I'm this is my sixth time. Through. Wow, wow. So I've just it, it's one of those that I'm like, I just want to get some of these principles down in my soul it's just they're so good and they've just clarified some things for me and helped so much so anyway that's, that's one i'm sure when we finish the series i'll i'll give it a break yeah, yeah really take a break. i've been uh going over it quite that's a bit that's crazy and that's so, good but anyway so good yeah. who's your favorite author oh man if you can pick one <laughs> i had to pick one of course i just named dallas willard yeah. i've really just so enjoyed uh you know tim keller Really enjoyed uh, this probably this time last year, uh, John Mark Comer's book on Elimination of mm-hmm. Hurry. That's a, a tremendous book. I haven't read his other. Um, um, Leslie just read God Has a Name, and she yeah. said, Oh, I haven't man. read it yet. Really beautiful. So good. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's probably so going to be one of my next ones. Yeah. I want to check it out. And uh, so she's like the ferocious reader. She reads way faster than I do. She'll read a book or two a week. I mean, she's she just. I can keep a stack, and she'll just <laughs> she yeah. just consumes it. them. That's good because yeah. she can tell you which ones are worth reading, oh, and which yeah. ones are not yeah, worth reading. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. I tell her, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing a sermon series on this, and here are the top three or four books I'm kind of interested." In. Well, she'll read them in a week or two, and then she puts post-it notes all in there. Oh, that's great. This is a I great illustration. It. Like, oh, this saved me Easy. like yeah. hours yeah. and hours. That's, that's Emmy, though. I go to Emmy all the yeah, time. I'm like, "Hey, what's a, what's a new book I need to read?" And she's constantly feeding me books to that's read. So awesome. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. All right. Favorite type of music? Favorite type of music. All right. Uh, to be totally honest. <laughs> yeah, that's, yes, that's the point. Uh, lately, I have been going back to the 40s Junction okay. on Sirius XM. I don't know okay. if anybody ever listens to 40s music, but I don't know what it is. It's just there's a sweetness about it. You know, it's all kind of World War II, post-World War II mm-hmm. kind of. It was back when the world was, even though it was a, yeah. a brutal war, it was a very innocent, more innocent kind of uh, yeah. music. I don't know why. I mean, I, I definitely listen to other music. I, I kind of, I'll every time, every once in a while, I'll switch back over to the '80s or the '90s station too, which reminds me of the glory days. But '40s, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, but '40s. I, yeah, go. I love that. That yeah. was bad that my mom would put that on if my grandma was in the car and she like put the '40s. I like it. I'm wow. not against it. I think it's fun. It's like a full orchestra. Yeah, this is back when you couldn't just uh, load up your band in the back of a van and travel around true. the country. True. Yeah, That's so had true. Forty-piece orchestra. It's crazy. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Favorite movie. Oh, man. We just went first movie that our family saw since pre-pandemic. This last weekend, we saw The Quiet Place 2. Is it good? It was really it good? good. It was really intense. Oh, no. I mean, I want to see it, but I'm also nervous. <laughs> I, I Yeah. it's It'll it'll definitely uh, make you a little nervous oh, good. while you're watching good. it. Good. Um, but no, it's really... You know, it's just... Um, I thought... You know, it's it's kind of cool too to think about John Krasinski and, and Emily Blunt. You know, as a husband and wife duo, yeah. writing this, just really geniusly written. Um, just a very cool story. Anyway, I like that one a lot. I don't know if I can't really say it's probably the my the greatest movie of all time, but I liked it <laughs> a lot. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Your film buff daughter may not. Yeah. Oh no. Appreciate no, no. if you she told might. her it was the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> she no. That's the only problem having yeah. a, a daughter that's graduated from film school. Like, 
there's a very high bar. Yes, I can imagine yes. the debates that go I, okay, on. Okay, that's that. fair. We just we won't make you tell us your favorite because uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's a that there see. is a wrong answer to that one. There is a wrong answer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And I, it, it gets harder and harder just to get her to go to a movie. Yeah, oh, I can understand. I, oh, that. I didn't but think about that. Yeah, she's, yeah, it's she's yeah, <laughs> she's ruined. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, On that note, who's your favorite kid? We had to. We had to. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Will. Yeah. So much. Loved it. Love uh, just getting to have a conversation with you and hear more of your story and your heart and. Uh, man, thank y'all, listener, for going with us on this journey for season two of Story We're Sharing podcast. Emmy? I'm sad it's over, but we'll be back. We will. We will <laughs> be back. We already have plans for season three. Me so too. we're going to take a few weeks off and then we'll jump back in season three. So be watching on social media for when that's going to hit your favorite podcast app. But until yep. next time, we'll see you later. Awesome. Thank yeah. you guys so much. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Awesome. You betcha. Later. Later.